Um, but what we've got to do is gain a hearing, gain credibility again. And the key for that, for me, is about building trust again. And that's about getting out, being visible, talking to service communities, showing that we're interested in their issues, and then taking those back to Westminster and seeing what we can do about them. My name is Johnny Ball, and I'm the founder of Campaign Force, a not-for-profit that inspires, trains, and coaches the armed forces community to stand up and serve again. I've served on the front line of military operations and in civilian life, the front line of UK politics. This Veterans in Politics podcast is a set of interviews brought to you by Campaign Force and sets out to explore how the military community can help make our politics a better place. I lean into my little black book of contacts and sit down with individuals from across the world of politics, sharing secrets, giving tips and advice and inspiring the next generation. We are Campaign Force. This is the Veterans in Politics podcast. Let's introduce you to our guest. Welcome to our party conference special episode with Shadow Armed Forces Minister Stephen Morgan MP. This episode was recorded live face-to-face at Labour Party conference. Stephen and our host Johnny begin by talking about Stephen's D-Day veteran grandfather, how he has influenced his outlook and his thoughts about engaging with the armed forces community. We'd like to thank our sponsors, JobOppo and Company X Consulting, for their support. It's time for you to meet our guest. It's absolutely brilliant to be here at Labour Party Conference with the Shadow Armed Forces Minister, Stephen Morgan. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. How's conference, how's conference so far? Good. So we're obviously the second day in, but lots to do and looking forward to getting out and about and talking to people over the coming days. No, it's, it's absolutely brilliant to be here. This is our first ever face-to-face recording of the Veterans in Politics podcast. And we're absolutely amazed to have uh, the Shadow Armed Forces Minister with us today, have someone from ministerial level, so it's brilliant. But first of all, before we roll into things, can you perhaps explain to us a little bit, what is it like to be Shadow Minister for the Armed Forces? And what's your experience so far of the role? So first of all, John, I just want to thank you for what you're doing to encourage people to stand up and serve, be it on a council, as a police and crime commissioner, or as a parliamentary candidate. I think it, you really are inspiring people to stand up and serve, and, and that's hugely commendable. And it's really good to be doing it in an audience of people that I've often seen on Twitter or <laughs> on Zoom in the past year, and, and to know that actually they do exist and they're real people, because we're physically together today. So, so it's good to be here today. Um, and thanks for your time. No, no, cheers. No, well, thanks for saying yes, because you could always say no. This, this random punter asked you to come on the podcast. So, no, cheers for being here. But so, yeah, how's it been, though, being Shadow Armed Forces Minister? So, I'm one of three Shadow Defence Ministers. So, I work alongside my colleague Steph Peacock and Chris Evans, working to John Healy. Obviously, the past year has been incredibly difficult with the pandemic. So, there's been lots of meetings online, on, on Teams and Zoom. And I've been just desperate to get out and about and talk to serving personnel, visit defence industry um, and just really sort of engage with the service community, hear their views and concerns. So my brief is pretty varied. So it could be about ceremony and medals to cyber. And obviously it's been a very busy time in Parliament. Uh, We've been looking at the overseas operations bill then the armed forces bill. There's been lots of statements on issues around Afghanistan, obviously. With some of the team shadowing, it's meant that I've been in the chamber a lot more than ordinarily I would be. It's a very busy time. I recognise the sort of challenge that Labour faces on defence, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And any opportunity to shout that Portsmouth is the hot and home to the Royal Navy, I take those opportunities. 
Well, before we came here today and, and before we met, obviously, I do follow you on Twitter. So seeing all your campaigns and serial work has been absolutely amazing. But I like to see, understand why it is people are interested in quite a niche subject that is defence. And I was reading into it, I understand that your grandfather was a Normandy veteran. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So both my grandparents served in the Second World War. My grandfather and my dad's side moved from the Ronda to Portsmouth to serve in the Royal Navy, as you'd expect in, in Portsmouth. My other grandfather lied about his age to join the army, so he was in the Royal Army Service Corps. He left South Sea and landed on the Normandy beaches on his 17th birthday. Wow. So incredibly proud of the sacrifice and service that he provided our country. I really regret um, sort of growing up not asking him enough about his service. Yeah. Um, and I wish I'd sort of probed him a bit more, but towards the end of his life, he shared with me a, a cigarette tin. He was a big smoker. And as a kid, I used to chop up his cigarettes, which he absolutely hated me for, but left me the sort of tin full of photographs of his service. And there were some lovely photographs of my grandmother at the time, his, his girlfriend. She used to write him love letters um, that she used to send him during the war. She apparently also sent them to someone else. <laughs> Slightly <laughs> We've kind of tried to forget that. Um, but some brilliant photographs of his service. And I, yeah, just regret that I didn't ask him more about his time. When he came back to Portsmouth, he helped set up the Normandy Veterans Association. Um, so I was one of those kids that would go to the British Legion every Saturday for, you know, for a celebration, a, a drink, uh, for a Christmas party occasionally. So I sort of grew up around that. And really enjoyed going to Navy days as a child and, and you know, jumping on a frigate or destroyer and, and seeing uh, what our armed forces do. How's that, how would you say that's influenced your approach to campaigning or politics? Has that been something, a driver in your life? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Portsmouth being the heart and home to the Royal Navy, you know, the Royal Navy is in our city's DNA. So, you know, it's so important for jobs, it's so important for our national security and I think it's absolutely driven my politics you know for me the first task of government is the security of our nation so you know you've got to get that right if, if you want to be in government and the reason why I sort of stepped up and served myself and wanted to go into politics you know I joined the party when I was 16 it took me a while to sort of stand for the council and that was partly because I was in politically, politically sensitive jobs for, for most of my life was because at the end of his life my grandfather didn't get the care that he needed from social care and I think that's absolutely outrageous that someone who serves our country deserves the very best from society and sadly he didn't get the services that he needs so I'm doing my best to stand up for people like him. Oh well I'm, I think the experience of my own grandfathers who served in the regiment that I served in or the, the pre-regiments of uh, the Princess of Wales's Royal, Royal Regiment which is indeed the county regiment of uh, Hampshire, Kent and the South East, essentially. Um, they've definitely been a key influence on, on my life and, and their example. And you mentioned the Normandy Veterans Association. I also think that we, as a veterans community and those of us that have influence, such as in politics, can really learn from their example. And I'm really struck at the moment, as an Afghan veteran myself, that there's probably room for an Afghan Veterans Association. Um, so I'm sort of putting you on the spot a little bit here, but do you think there's room for for associations like that to learn from our forebears as we go forward and, and come out of future conflicts, would you say? Absolutely right. And one of the things I was very keen to do after what we've seen in the last few weeks is to talk to veterans groups about how service personnel are feeling right now and, and plenty are feeling pretty despondent ultimately. So I think any opportunity to bring people together to, to share that pain and come through that together collectively absolutely should be encouraged. Yeah, I, I really do think that 
we should learn from the example of our forebears because I mean we've got a lot to live up to right um, people like your grandfather uh, at 17 on the, on the beaches of Normandy it just doesn't bear thinking about what they went through but we can certainly learn not only from their courage and what they achieved but also from how they came out of service as well as a veterans community um, and that's certainly something that I really um, am quite passionate about and you mentioned of course your, your patch as home to the Royal Navy uh, and I could just see you start to, to smile when you talk about about your, your home patch how do you think that this has influenced the Labour Party's approach, particularly as you are someone of influence within the party around the defence brief. But how do you think that the relationship with the, with the armed forces community has changed in recent times? And how do you think that your own personal link, due to your grandfather's story and the fact of where your constituency is, has influenced that? So I, I recognise that we've not got it right in the past and there's absolutely much more we need to do as a party if we want to be credible. And, and you know, I wake up every morning and at the moment I decide what I want to say. I want to wake up and change our country for the better. And the only way you can do that is by electing a Labour government in, in my perspective. So there's much more we need to do on defence. You know, we trail the Tories in the polls currently we're getting slightly better I think we're two, two points better than we were this time last year well if you can't but, say here at Labour conference where can you say it <laughs> um, but what we've got to do is gain a hearing gain credibility again and the key for that for me is about building trust again and that's about getting out being visible talking to service communities showing that we're interested in their issues and then taking those back to Westminster and seeing what we can do about them yeah, and I think one way, um, not just Westminster as well, but in those local communities, and that's probably where people will see party politics a little bit more closer to them. I've got a background in local government too, and I'm very passionate that this is one area where if you have veterans more visible serving in local councils, then the understanding of the armed forces community will go part and parcel with that. But how do you think that we can better encourage veterans, spouses, reservists, cadet force, adult volunteers to actually stand up and serve again in local councils? Because I know that you've got a, a distinct background in local government. Is that right? That's right. So, yeah, was a local government officer, was briefly a councillor before getting elected to Parliament. I mean, in the audience today, we've got Mike from Tunbridge Wells, Alex from Basingstoke, Andy from North Tyneside that are doing that work day in, day out in local government, you know, alongside our armed forces communities, focusing on issues that matter to communities and then standing up for veterans, serving personnel and, and families. A few weeks ago, uh, with Labour Friends of the Forces, we held an event to say, what can we learn from local government around engaging the armed forces community? And we, I think we just had an hour for that session and we completely ran out of time because there were so many examples of what Labour-run local authorities or Labour groups across the country were doing. You know, massively impressive. Take Councillor Nadia Martin in Rushmore doing a really good survey to understand the issues that families are facing in service accommodation, using that information then to improve outcomes for those families. Really good practice across the country and I think it's our task in Labour to showcase some of that and encourage others to do similar things as well. Uh, yeah, I think it's critical. Local government is the politics closest to us all, but perhaps not as you know, not the sexy part of politics. Um, people think about politics, they think about the punch and duty of Westminster and the prominent figures. But if we're going to achieve anything, any change within the armed forces community, local government's where it's at for me. And there are 20,000 local government representatives across the UK. No one has a clue how many of those are veterans. 
Uh, and I know there's an opportunity to work with organisations like the Local Government Association and get that into the census. So we can actually ask the question from the veterans community, have you served? And I know we've seen that in the census uh, in recent times. So perhaps we can learn from that and expand that. But it's really important. Um, and with that, you know, the armed forces community are actually quite a diverse community. Um, I think I learned earlier on from uh, the Labour Friends of the Forces that 80% of, um, the, of uh, the Commonwealth community are Fijians that have served in the, in the UK Armed Forces. So it's an opportunity there. Therefore, if we are to encourage the Armed Forces to stand up and serve again, particularly the veterans community, it will make our politics diverse too. But how do you think that we can make our politics diverse? Because you know, we still have an issue in certain representation parts of the community. How are we going to make our politics more diverse? So I think it's a real challenge for all political parties. And I think Labour has obviously historically had a good reputation around representing diverse communities, but we've got much, much more to do. I held an event in Portsmouth last week. You know, we've got seven councillors in Portsmouth, but we want to get uh, more councillors elected and, and from a diverse set of communities. So we've got to remove the barriers to standing for office. I think getting elected into local government is a really good starter for 10 to then potentially stand for Parliament. Labour Friends of Forces have done this fantastic Boots to Benches event so we can learn from people like Sarah Church and Dan Jarvis that have gone through that process themselves. We've got to do everything we possibly can to make it as, as easy and accessible for people to stand for office because the values that our armed forces have really do mirror what those in public life, in parliamentary roles, have as well. So I think we've got to encourage it to the best of our abilities. Did you face any of those barriers yourself coming into politics? And how did you overcome those if you did? Um, good question. I wasn't on the brief. Well, I guess when... So I stood in the snap general election of 2017 and I was sort of imming and ahhing, thought, do I want? I wouldn't want to stand anyone else other than in my own constituency of Portsmouth South that you know and the record there was that it had always been a Tory seat and occasionally a Lib Dem seat and I thought well there's no point standing because I've got no chance of winning and said to my employer well you know actually I'm going to take two weeks of leave because I quite enjoy chatting to people on the doorsteps I quite enjoy leafleting do you mind if I use my annual leave in this way and they said well if that's how you want to spend your time rather than on the beach by all means go and do that and and obviously then the rest is history and was elected as the first ever uh, Labour MP for that, for that seat so I think probably the barrier is about overcoming your you know lack of um, confidence really um, and you know to stand for office as people in this room will know you've got to be a pretty resilient person with thick skin but there's lots of support available and, and people want you to succeed so anyone that's thinking about it just give it a go and you can always learn lessons you might not win the first time but get back up again and have another go I think that's a really important message because that's one where the armed forces community can identify with because many of us deselect ourselves of, from opportunities, whether that be in employment or politics. So we can actually learn from that because that confidence and that sometimes imposter syndrome does affect us because we've been in uniform and been part of that big organisation. And then there you are having to put your head above the parapet as an individual. Um, so that's something we can all learn from in the armed forces community. Um, but it was so, yeah, the message there, I guess, is be careful what you choose to do on your leave. Right. Because um, <laughs> all of a sudden you find yourself in Parliament. But I did see your maiden speech and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, so you sat there alongside Luke Pollard, um, a previous panellist um, at our, our first Labour Fringe event. 
and you are in that you reset out the stall that you are really keen to be a local campaigner uh, for Pompey first putting Pompey on the national stage how on earth do you self-assess how well you've done what are those you know measurements that you put in place about how successful you're going to be with that mission so of course coming from a background in local government and the charitable sector you sort of have an appraisal occasionally you might have a line manager that sort of takes one-to-one notes with you in politics you don't get that so your appraisal is the general election so it's quite a difficult way you know throughout your term of office to understand how well you're doing so for me that's about being visible about being transparent and about being accountable. So being out and about as much as I possibly can to hear what people are saying and, you know, listening more than actually talking and also about being really clear on what you want to achieve. So having a set of priorities of of things you want to do. Uh, You've got to have that breadth in politics, but on some issues you've got to have depth as well. So being strategic, the best way I think you can plan your week is sort of sitting down and saying, what do I want to get out this week? And how do I then fit my time in to match those priorities? So, and then listening to others and engaging with others and learning from good practice. I really enjoy talking to other colleagues to say what's working well for you, what are you doing, and pinching that best practice. Because I think we're all, you know, trying our very best, but there's ways that you can learn from others around what they're doing. And I guess the ultimate measurement of success, right, is people voting for you. And you seem to be doing all right at that. <laughs> it's, it's going all right so far, yeah, but much more to do. And, you know, and I really believe in the power of local government, and that's why in Portsmouth I want a really big team on the council because I think, actually, one of my frustrations with politics as an MP is that sometimes you're the front door of government departments um, or, you know, you're essentially going along with what the whip tells you on voting. But in local government, you can really transform people's lives on a daily basis because you're so much closer the decisions that affect people's lives so anyone that's listening to that I really encourage them to stand for local government first because I think that's a really good start for 10 for a potential parliamentary career at some point in their lives absolutely do you know what I think we'll end on that advice uh, Stephen Morgan thank you very much for sitting down here at Labour Party Conference 2021 and uh, yeah let's catch up again soon please do thank you Job Oppo are pleased to be working with the Veterans in Politics podcast series to help us in our quest to change the narrative around veteran employment. Thanks to the Veterans in Politics team for giving JobOpper the chance to be involved in this fantastic initiative. Together, we hope to help many veterans realise their potential and secure the job, not just a job. Company X Consulting Limited are a consultancy company specialising in the provision of skills such as programme, project and portfolio management, information insurance and cyber services. We offer full transitional support to the veterans and service leavers community. We are currently recruiting. To find out more about our business, please visit our website at www.cxc-ltd.com or check out our LinkedIn at Company X Consulting Limited. Thanks to our guests and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe now. Alternatively, you can support our mission by checking out in the show notes below where you can rate, donate or become our mate. Thank you.